Hello, this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. I'm your host, Deb, and today I'll be talking to Max McCabe. He is an experiencer who has encountered the phenomena repeatedly and is sharing his experiences publicly in order to spread awareness. His experiences began in 2014 and impacted both himself and his family. He encountered the phenomenon several times over many years. Welcome, Max, and thank you for coming to talk to me today. Hey, hello, Debs. It's good to see you again. It's always good to speak to you. Well, How have you been? You. Oh, it's, you know, a lot of work, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, by the way. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming. Um, so I guess I would like to start with um, you just sharing, if you can, a lot of people are familiar with your story, but for those who are not, um, your story of what happened, your backstory, your experiences, um, what br brought you here today? Yeah, um, it is. How much time you got? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, it it all came out of the blue. It really did. Back in September, October 2014. Um, and uh, Wow, it's overwhelming. So when I start to think about where where could I take it from, I think the most important point that has come to light only recently for me is to probably um, mention the emotional and life situation at the time, which previously I I didn't think mattered. But to be quite honest now, I think it, it just may do. It might be important um, because it ties into other aspects of this phenomenon. Um, so at that time, I was um, kind of lost uh, in my life and going through some emotional turmoil. I had a big argument several months before with my identical twin brother, and we hadn't spoken for a while. I think about six months at that point. Um, and I'd also lost my grandmother, who meant the absolute world to me. She was like a you know, my grandma and granddad were just so incredible in my life growing up as a child. And I'd lost her in late, if I remember right, it was late 2012, early 2013. It was 2012. I'd, I'm not somebody, by the way, as you probably will realize, I've never been someone that um, takes notes of dates. And it's so bad that if people didn't even remind me of my birthday, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. kind of person. Um <laughs> I just wanted to say I'm sorry for your loss before you continue. Thank you. Sorry. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Debs. I mean, um, yeah, it really messed me up. And it was a great loss because she was such a fantastic person, to say the least. So, um, yeah, and I was uh I was doing some web design stuff, just some self-employed web design stuff. Um, we'd just moved into this house that I'm in right now, still, eight years later. Um We'd moved, uh, yeah, so we'd moved in here a few months earlier and I wasn't in a great place, right? And so what, how it all began was that my daughter was living with us. Um, she had moved in um, maybe a year earlier after going through some serious court cases and other emotional turmoil. <laughs> And uh, she was at the front of the house with our next door neighbor's daughter. And at that time, uh, they looked up in the sky. I was in bed, by the way. 
and they watched out the front of the house in a southerly direction very low in the sky they'd seen these um balls of white light making formations making patterns you know try she pretty sure she was saying triangular formations and then dancing around and then they shot off at incredible rates of speed um and she didn't wake me up to tell me i know this was about 11 o'clock to midnight and uh, she told me the next day and i thought wow that's that sounds incredible i wonder what it could have been um and so that particular night i was up really late doing a website i was up until about four o'clock in the morning um and i was tired of it and i was tired and i just wanted to go to bed so i thought i'd call it a night and so i went out to the back garden um to smoke a cigarette before i went to bed and i'd taken a seat uh, a chair in the garden with my back against the fence and the house is to my left and i was looking up at the the night sky and it was an absolute cloudless you know when you get those beautiful clear starry nights not a cloud in the sky it was really yes. cold mm-hmm. yeah it was beautiful so I'm, I'm sitting there looking up at the sky and i'm thinking about uh, what am i going to do and about my brother and then there's another thing which i haven't mentioned enough because again it was highly highly personal and i rationalized it away and just thought coincidence right but lately over the last few months i've really realized that it could it could count and these details could be really important and so it whether it's highly personal or not i want to share this so it was at this um very moment that i actually thought about my grandma and oh Debs, i do apologize i'm gonna have to is it possible to pause after let someone in <laughs> yes that's fine it's okay so so while he's doing what he needs to do i just wanted to comment that um max's full story is on the ufoconnector.com um he's also provided pictures um and you know kind of laid out everything so that if anyone wants to go look at his detailed description that's out there as well with pictures okay are are you good max i'm good thanks i forgot to unlock the front door my girlfriend's just come back from work (laughs) um yeah so where were we i was it's the moment it all began um i was looking up at the clear night sky at the stars thinking how beautiful they were thinking about what am i going to do now my falling out with my brother and and it's at the very moment that i thought about my grandma and granddad and um i mean really deeply from the heart i actually thought as if like i was talking to her uh, that i hope she's okay now that she's with my granddad wherever they may be if there is such a thing and it was at this very very moment Debs, that the there was a double flash of white light in the sky now straight away i thought lightning uh, then you go through all of the rational rationalizations of it and ticking off in a fraction of a second you're thinking oh i thought it's you know there's no clouds in the sky there's no there's no hey dj yeah! Oh, it's always uplifting. How are you doing? Max, I got one question for you, baby. Yeah. Were you in the uh, British-produced Netflix series, The Last Kingdom? 
And if no. would you would you admit to us that you were a Viking and or Saxon Raider <laughs> in that series? I wish I was. I wish I was. <laughs> well, you you look like you're right out of central casting. I'm sorry. I digress. <laughs> Go back to the conversation. <laughs> no problem at all. Now McCabe is a Celtic name, by the way. It's um, it comes from apparently it was a a group of Scottish warriors clan that migrated or went over to Ireland um, and happened to stay there. So I'm a mix of Scottish, Irish, and my other grandfather on the other side of the family, my father's father, he had a Welsh name, uh, Llewellyn, if I'm, you know, ravaging the name pronunciation right. Yeah, Llewellyn. It's like five L's or something. Llewellyn. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd like to do that. That would be great. I'd have to get in touch with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely look uh, like you were some sort of a a, a, a warring raider type. Like you might have had a shield and some sort mm. of an animal skin around your your neck and in in a yeah. past life. Deb, would you agree with all that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> well, apparently, there was there was a blackbeard McCabe. Apparently, a blackbeard McCabe. Um, I, I'm, I'm getting a little thing. nervous now all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm probably paying penance for everything the fam the clan had done in the past. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, you guys may have ra burned a lot of villages. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm sorry to digress away from UAP, so uh, please, please continue. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll re-explain uh, re where we are. By the way, everyone, DJ is the co-host of Calling All Beings, who has come to join us today. Um, so Max, you were talking about, you had just been thinking about your grandmother and about your falling out with your brother when you saw two bright lights in the sky. Is that correct? Yeah, it, well, it was, <clears throat> so it, it was very, um, a double flash of white light that lit up the sky. So it was very much like you'd see if you had distant, my first thought was distant lightning going on out of my view on you know far enough away that I couldn't see any clouds but I, there were no clouds in the sky you know as I later discovered within a few minutes I'm out the front there's nothing anywhere and you can see quite far and wide but there were there were no clouds in the sky at all it was very dry and cold hadn't even been raining wasn't wet um, so when those double flashes of light happened it was in real quick succession it was a it wasn't a flash flash it was a boom boom a very quick double flash of pure white light so again first of all i i think to myself it's lightning uh then i think no there's no clouds and then within maybe uh, another second or two seconds later there was another double flash of white light same thing and um, for whatever reason i looked straight up above me so if i'm sitting with my back against the fence here the house is to my left, the back door. And I look up and where this double flash of light came from. And um, these two balls of white light, just self-luminous balls of white light, very hard to tell height. But I mean, you know, when you're looking at something that's up in the atmosphere, I know what a satellite looks like, you know, pinprick of light. And, um, and uh, sorry, something <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so these were just two balls of white self-luminous light that were traveling side by side from behind me, traveling to my front, forward facing. And they 
double flashed again super bright and made a, a right angle turn to my left, literally a 90 degree turn as they shot off so fast. It, it, I've said before, it was like leaving a visible trace line, um, like a ghosting effect. Um, I've since heard other people describe that in different ways using different descriptive words, but, and I've actually seen since then uh, a video of a, of something in daylight filmed that shoots off so fast. It's, it's the same thing. Basically this, these two balls of light shot off tremendously fast. Um, and so I, I ran straight through the house to, uh, to obviously see if that, if I could see anything more shot. And as I've gone out the front door, I've looked around, they're gone. There's nothing to see. I noted the time because I wanted to say to my, uh, sorry, my daughter that I must've seen what she had seen the night before with our neighbor. Um, and it was, I'm pretty sure it was 11 minutes past four. It was like 10 past four, 11 minutes past four. So I thought, oh, cool. So I hung around uh, before coming back inside of the house. I was out there for a couple of minutes. And I, it was clear that at the speed they were going, and I didn't see anything else happen. So that was cool. I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. Mm -hmm. So that's when I, I came in the front door, you know, locked it, turned around to go up the stairs. And it was at, and, and again, this is the bit I struggle with because there's no words that can properly describe this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could talk about just this piece for ages because it was so, it was so incredible what happened. Just as I was just going up the stairs, um, I got struck with uh, something completely recognizable instantaneously that it was not, it wasn't coming from my thoughts. I was stopped in my tracks of going upstairs by uh, something that felt like it almost touched the inside of my brain. <laughs> um, it it was it was in, an instantaneous uh, packet of information is one way to put it that wasn't words. It wasn't it wasn't a voice. I've heard other people since say they heard a voice. Mine mine wasn't a voice. Um, mine was. Uh, don't close the door, go outside and look up. But it was as if this transference of an instruction was instant and in pure form. Then hmm. it took my mind to translate it into what is the equivalent of don't close the door, go outside and look up. Um, and if, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to take a second because I know this will resonate with people that have had to learn a second language. It may sound, it's subtle, but when I when I lived in France, I had to learn French and I was living with a French family and I didn't speak French before. And I spent weeks having headaches from taking in so too much information being absorbed too deep too quickly. But what I can say is over a course of many, many months, I stopped. First of all, when you try to think of how to say something in a foreign language, you have to take your time and stumble through it. Right. And you're trying to you're trying to bounce your language around a certain part of your brain to translate it and then verbalize it and physically say it. Well, the speed of thought is so incredibly fast. It's, it's, um, it's like that, that when, when you translate your language and what you want to say into another language, you have that moment that goes on in your head where you bounce it around for a split second, a nanosecond. And it's kind of like that. So anyone that's had to learn a second language to, in a very deep way, I know can understand hopefully what I'm trying to say 
it wasn't words it wasn't a voice it stopped me in my tracks and it was extremely powerful and the reason it stopped me in my tracks is because i recognized it instantly as not coming it was external to me it came in from somewhere else and it's, that in itself was so shocking and it was so unique and so powerful that something somehow has just come into my this is what I, I tried to say a couple of months back that bit in itself has shocked me to the core for the rest of my days because it's beautiful yes it's beautiful because it teaches you it taught me that it's possible that uh, telepathy um, we are capable of receiving at least mm -hmm. an instruction from something external to our own thoughts and mind but that leads to a whole host rabbit hole of questions because yes. if that's the case then then what else are we capable of and then what else is it responsible for in human behavior well, we could we could actually test this out right now. I'm going to think of something to you and Deb, and you guys tell me what you think I'm thinking of. Food. Red wine. <laughs> no, it was your hair looks great, both of you. So anyway, that experiment failed. So go ahead. Okay. Sorry. Okay. I was, uh, I was, um, so, so Max, I, I feel mm. like a lot of people have talked about um, this connection that they have the communication connection um mm. and there seems to be um a possibility that a part of our brain is essentially used like a little antenna um for that communication um yeah. now i granted i don't know that anyone necessarily feels that you know we don't really feel what's going on in our brain um but did mm. you have any physical symptoms at, at all no. that makes you think maybe you were connected to with technology perhaps well i'm I'm really glad you asked that, Debs, because I'm um, like you just said. I'm really we're not supposed to feel anything inside our brains, right? I've seen videos in decade ago of people being operated on while they're still conscious, and they can slice your brain apart and eat it if they wanted to. You're not going to feel any. Okay, that's a bit extreme. Yeah, you know yeah. Let's I mean? let's not replay uh, one of the uh, the Red Dragon or whatever. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. Hannibal Lecter. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so it, what doesn't make sense is that why then because i i'm you know i'm kind of holding up the actual what happened but i this is important what you said what the question you asked because i had the most incredible um it's almost like i felt electrical misfiring going on in my head as if almost as if i could feel this around my brain after well during and after this event and i can't make that make sense because it shouldn't be possible right like we're not supposed to feel our brains we, we apparently we can't feel our brains but i can tell you that for about two hours after this all happened i was laying there with my head felt like electricity was flying everywhere something happened inside my head from that moment forward so i don't know what that could be um, so it leads to the questions of, like you said again, with Gary Nolan, Kit Green, the MRI scan data, the chordate pertainment region. Is it the case possibly? I mean, uh, you know, who knows? Can we really say what's possible or not? Is it possible that it actually could cause that hyper connectivity in that region at the moment of a close encounter intentionally? Uh, and if so, who knows? 
maybe speculation, maybe that's what I was feeling afterwards. Or if it's innate or it was um, just genetically within me, if that is the case, one in 200 people, right, apparently, um, then I certainly felt something. I definitely absolutely felt a physical effect afterwards. But it could have also been from being too close to it within seconds later. So, so let yeah. Me, um, l- hmm. Let me ask one question, Max. If the shadow figures were to come through the doorway hmm. like they did before, which was after this, the incident, but that doorway, that's that, doorway I, right here. I, I feel you, bro. I feel you. Hmm. Would you invite them on the show? Yeah. <laughs> you would? I absolutely would. I would not jump this time. I might. Well, there was a reflex action, but I'm. I would. Yeah. <laughs> Deb, would you like to to talk with the shadow figures? Um. Yes. I. He hadn't explained the part about the shadow figures. He's recapping. I hadn't oh, said that yet. Oh come on, Deb. <laughs> There's got to be a time for comedy here. I was. I, I was gonna. You were. I was gonna let you charge them a fee for for therapy. But all right. <laughs> never mind. Yeah. Press on. Yeah. But yes, okay. I would. I would definitely talk to any. Thank you. Uh, Yes. Okay. Even shadow figures. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. Thank you. I did say I want to talk to everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello, shadow figure. My name is Holy Deb. Jesus. My hair looks great. I'm sorry. You don't have any. And let's talk about why you're annoying Max. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, so from the, from the moment that that thing happened on the stairs, right? So it, it stops me. And for a moment, I'm stood still thinking, what the WTF, right? I'm just in shock for a second. But I I do follow exactly what the instruction was because, well, why, I just did. So I turned around. It's only three footsteps away from where I was at. And I open the door, unlock the door, step outside and look up as I'm stepping out over the door frame. And it's at, as I did this, right as if it was right over the house it just moved out and stopped a meter or so ahead of me just to my right just right overhead and this thing was easily the size of a a truck not a class one truck it was like a cement truck size okay like uh it was big. <laughs> it was big. You, you described it like a school bus, I think, but it was, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a school bus where maybe one end was pointing down and the other end was up, like it was pointing toward the ground, right? Cylindrical well, or? There was actually, so the, DJ, it was like a, it was a horizontal diamond shape is how it appeared because of one factor. This It was absolutely beautiful. And a lot of stuff happened in that second of stepping outside. It all happened at once. I was hit with all of this stuff, but the, the, the object itself was about 40, if I had to guess, about 40 foot in diameter, maybe a little bit more. It was only about um, two two-story houses stacked on top of itself, like this house on top of itself. Um, and I didn't know until re- quite recently how tall this house is because I measured it. I had to, to put some another TV aerial on the roof, and it's about nine and a half meters up from the very tip of the roof to the ground. Um, and so it was like that plus a little bit at best, if I had to guess. But I'm basing this on what happened the next night when it came back So, as well. So um, this thing's really, really close. And it moves out and stops as I step out the front door. And as I've stepped out, I'm struck with this incredible amount of what felt like static electricity. 
but it was so, so strong that it was like stepping into a bath of it because all the hair on end, all the hair on my body stood on end, not just the back of my neck. It was absolutely amazing feeling because it was coming up in waves up my spine, over my scalp. Um, I looked down at my left arm because physically could feel all the hair standing on end um, and just absolutely an overwhelming sense of love and of being watched, of being observed, of of being intimately connected. Uh, and I, I say connected because it felt like that connection it had made on the stairs that had told me to go outside and look up. That connection, I physically felt like it hadn't disconnected. Scanned, to... scanned, maybe evaluated. Felt like it. It made a connection to my very deepest part of my of who you think yourself to be, of who you are inside your mind, your space. That's supposed to be your personal. When you think to yourself, um, you know your own private space in who you call you, <laughs> your consciousness. I guess. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. felt like I was absolutely being read, like it knew everything about me like my thoughts were being shared in real time. Mm -hmm. It's it's a weird thing because I, of course I understand how difficult that that is to, it's difficult to convey this without sounding nuts. And this is the think process you go through, but it was as real as real can be. Well, um, two, two experiencers, Terry Loveless says the same thing, but it was when he mm -hmm. made eye contact with, I think it was a mantis type being, I believe. And Anjali uh, said the exact same thing that you said about them communicating in a way that she couldn't verbalize uh, right. because it's it's more than just where it's not just words came into my head. It's a feeling or something you you uh, described it. I, I don't know if I've ever heard that Deb, where he described it, that they put a feeling in his brain, like his brain felt something or because oh. he says you can't feel your brain. I've never heard that before. There's a mm. lot of. Um possibilities with that i have heard other people say there's a sense of euphoria right so one possibility is it's a response to the electromagnetic uh yeah. radiation essentially um mm -hmm. and that's how our body reacts to it another possibility is that you know they're they're reading us very quickly and we're very simple and that's like kind of scary to think about we're so simple that they can get the entire gist of us immediately and know whether or not you're someone that it's worth connecting to which i think the these uh entities have been trying to do they've been trying to connect but not at a huge scale but you know they're connecting um mm. so they might have just like looked you up and down and said okay i'll say hi to you you know yeah, but that's what it felt like and i i told myself for years that it, i was just in and i still do that i was well most mostly um tell myself that i was just in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time that it was in the area and i know it was for a long time a long time after my last experience um and then it just happened to notice some random guy that's out at four o'clock in the bloody morning. It's like, hey, we'll go say hi. Um, but that then it goes much deeper about conscious, the conscious aspect of it and how if it can read my thoughts, instruct me through my own private conscious space, then it, it points towards something much, much more deeper and complex 
and that's the stuff that gets mind-blowing. Yeah. And we keep getting the hint that something more complex than we realize is going on. Um, yeah. But but one thing that I have run into with all of this is a possibility that, you know, if it is related to consciousness, that there might be like, it's almost like an internal soul or something that is better able to communicate with these beings than our human outside part, right? And they, they might be recognizing some of that. Um, they might be recognizing that soul, if you will, um, and kind of been like, I know that one. You know, I don't know. It's, it's a thought. Yeah, I, I think what it does, what it did definitely for me is it taught me um, or it reinforced how we are simply creatures of our environment. We're products of our environment, our upbringing, the, you know, everything that makes us human in, since the day we're born and how we communicate and how we... So we, we, we're taught to say words. We're taught to verbally communicate. And of course, visually, we communicate a little bit looking at someone's body language, facial expressions, but um, there is a very, very base, base element to how we process things and how we can uh, receive, at least from my experience, receive information. And it can surpass, leapfrog any of that because it's able to come in and give you instantaneous information that your mind then does its job of unraveling it mm -hmm. and translating it into what is necessary for for the way that we've been taught into words but it's essentially packet or patterns of information uh, frequency however you want to put it but it's instantaneous and that's what's so beautiful about that so i'm pretty sure at some point in the future we're going to get to that point by whether it's elon musk's technology and Neuralink or some other form of tele you know, um being able to communicate wirelessly brain to brain and it's mm -hmm. not going to be it's not going to have to be in words. It can be instantaneous information, just like what happened to me there. So it, yes. it really, it really is a beautifully awakening moment. That moment right there was just incredible. But again, there's always a dark and a light, right? So it, there was also a concerning part of that, is um, which plays on my mind a lot too, is the fact that um, if something is able to come in and give instructions, and uh, it, it's quite scary to think if it was dark, if it did have, you know, malevolent intent, then it makes it question. It makes you question a whole lot of things. But um, you could have said no, like you, yeah, you, 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 yeah. you said, okay, go outside and look up. You know, open the door, go outside and look up. Okay, I can do that. But what if they said, you know, go and strangle your son? You probably would exactly. have said, hell no, I'm not doing that. So you still exactly. have agency. You know, even mm. if they can speak directly mm. into your. Uh, you know, because obviously if they're talking to someone in Uruguay, chances are the phenomenon isn't fluent in Spanish, but they can mm. make your brain understand what it wants in your own language. Exactly. That's that's the point, DJ. Yeah. So and it so it means that it doesn't need to speak a verbal human language. It can communicate in its most base form, in its most purest form, which is however we assume or how we we say this whether it's patterns of information frequency whatever uh, i guess it's the same thing um it's just instantaneous so it's beautiful and okay. like you said L hmm. let me let me ask you guys something do you think hmm. the remote viewers are on this network do you think the remote viewers like a pat price somebody who's done these things that are 
inexplicable. You know, describing mm. a site based on uh, geographic coordinates is able to describe a particular and distinctive site in Russia with weaponry that he could not have known just by given, being given geographic coordinates. So do you think that, that uh, those beings that appeared at your house, either in the craft or the shadow persons, do you mm. think that someone like a Pat Price could like have a conversation with them and to, to both you guys? Mm. Well, I, I think it's it, from what I've heard, and I haven't looked deeply into it, but I've heard, uh, I'm pretty sure I've heard them. Um, what's his name? Manigo? M oh, Manigo. Joseph McGonagall. McGonagall. That's Scottish yeah, name. Yeah. I think I've heard him say it comes in little flashes, little snippets. Um, maybe a, just a real s flash of information of some sort. Um, it's definitely, it's, it's, we're so behind on consciousness, mm -hmm. aren't we? We really don't understand it, but it's beautiful. Um, so many questions just on that. I don't know what he's into. You so think they can communicate with those guys? Have a conversation? Inter what's interesting about that is that when you're remote viewing, you're not leaving your body, but it's almost like you're moving your consciousness somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So they might not be able to access that antenna, but it, supposedly they have detected remote viewers. There's some people that have claimed that they've run into beings um, while remote viewing and mm -hmm. have been detected um, and that the beings don't necessarily understand that they are not there. So I think these beings have a different understanding of consciousness or whatever that is that allows people to be elsewhere because of remote viewing um, than we do. Um, they might have a detection of it that we don't understand. Yep. Uh, uh, then, then Max, I would ask you this question based on those two answers. Mm. When they told you to do X, did you respond back to them? No, I, I was just in shock. It literally stopped me in my tracks. I think I had my first, I think I had my left foot up on the first step and I was, it just properly stopped me in place. And I thought, what the, and I just, within a second or two, I just thought, okay. And I just turned around and did it. Um, I didn't even consider any other way. It was so shocking. Um, just so unique. But it, it was so obviously, it wasn't coming from within me. It, I mean, it, it just wasn't. So Right. Um, and I've never heard voices. I've never had anything like that happen before or since. Um, although I will say, you know, there's been moments where I've had kind of... I. Uh, there's, there's a lot of subtle stuff, which often it's easy what I've realized about myself, I think the human race as a whole, it's really easy to just deny human, never underestimate human, the human power to just deny, even to ourselves, because it's easier to just deny things sometimes and pretend it's not happening, which is certainly what I did um, for so long. So there's a lot of subtlety, like um, having little flashes of, little flashes of knowledge, and then something will happen. And you like, I knew that was going to happen. Mm. Sometimes it can be insignificant things, like uh, just, for example, recently my my son goes to see his girlfriend, and I just was at the back door the other week, and I I just had a flash, a very quick flash, for no reason because I've not even met her, and he hasn't really talked about her much, and he, I just thought she's breaking up with him, and then I I just carried on with what I was doing, 
And then later he texted me saying, we've broken up. And I said to him, yeah, I kind of, kind of knew that was going to happen for some reason. Just little things like that. Right? So um, that's happened a lot over the years. Not all the time, very, not very often, but it does happen. Um, anyway, so I do apologize, Debs. I know I've spoken, I keep, <laughs> I barely began, didn't I? Yes, um, but we'll you know, get there. <laughs> we'll get there. I did. I have another question for you before we move yeah. on from this, because you're like you said, this part alone we could talk about for mm. a long time. Mm. A lot of people are saying that when they have what they call downloads, it's like a mm. memory, mm. like an instant memory. Did it feel like that for you? Like you immediately just remembered, like what whatever it was they were trying to say. It was like a memory. I personally, I wouldn't describe it that way, but. Um, it just that alone, people's descriptions can vary quite dramatically, but they could be. I mean, I've, like I say again, I've heard people say that they heard a voice that wasn't their own, and I have no reason to, you know, benefit of doubt that's that could be their way that they in, in, either interpreted it or maybe the way that they would describe it verbally to just, you know, describing it that way, or maybe it was received in a, a audible voice i don't know uh but for me absolutely wasn't a voice and, and that alone again is an interesting part but a download a memory that i've just suddenly remembered that's interesting but that's not the way i personally would describe it N not in my instance yeah it's almost like uh, their message was hey hello you know <laughs> like that was that was kind of what was happening right it's like they were waving and mm. it um, to, to this day, I, I'm, I would wonder if you have felt there was any purpose for that. God, yeah. So, um, so, so what happened is, uh, as I've stepped out, um, completely engulfed in what felt like static electricity, it wasn't f fear or anything. This love has hit me, this connectedness. I'm looking up at it as it moved down, stopped. And I, I mean, again, the words, the, the, the best words would be, or you know the word awesome mm -hmm. was is the best word i could describe for this thing because it was such a shocking awesome but beautiful moment um and the, to look at it was incredible um again so unique it okay so it was like i say like a horizontal diamond because it was engulfed in what I can only best connect to or describe as what appeared like plasma. Um, all of the edging was moving just like it was engulfed in plasma, like a solid object that was engulfed in plasma. And it was lapping like as if almost like flames. Wow. Um, yeah. Around the edging mm -hmm. of the object. And what's odd is that it had this, vertical shards of light coming out from the center um I, of course none of this makes sense to me I, why would that be i don't know but it, it was very unique um in it's the way it looked around towards the edging of the object is was more golden and it was more white in the center and it had a unique luminosity to it so it was so tremendously bright that it I expected, and even at the time, I was thinking, this is so bright and intense that it should have 
been hard to look at, but instead it was really soft and gentle on the eyes. So everything about it kind of defies logic. It's every single thing about it is just on a whole different level, just outside of normal. Um, and at the same time, I became aware, you know, uh, absolute pin drop silence. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it was that and it, every little part of it was so weird because I remember very specifically that moment of that pin drop silence, not just that, the electricity up and down the spine, over the scalp, looking at my left arm, looking at this, going, oh, my, wow. Um, and hearing myself breathe. I could, you know, you could almost hear my heartbeat, and it was absolutely like you're in a vacuum. And so I, I didn't know what to do. I'm looking up at this thing. I feel this connectedness. Then I feel the, the overwhelming love and more of a love of if you've got, I know you've got kids, Deb, so I don't know, but you got kids, DJ? I actually am still a kid myself. Hey. But no, so yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, it, this this um, love, right? It it was the kind of love that I've only felt before the birth of my children. It's the kind of love that makes tears go to your eyes of joy. It's not the kind of love you'd have for a, like a you know partner of being you know romantically in love. This was the kind of love that specifically fills your eyes with tears of joy. And see. And I, I was aware of the fact that my eyes were welling up. And I wipe like, I just, everything about it, I still get a little bit of tingles coming through now, just thinking about it. Absolutely. But it was right there. Um, so I'm looking up at it, and I didn't know what else to do. So because it felt so beautiful and such a uniquely beautiful moment, but so bizarre, I didn't know what to do. So I just waved. I said, like, hi. <laughs> um, and I don't know how... You know when, uh, like an awkward moment, you get an awkward moment of silence, and that's literally what it was. So I'm looking up at this thing, and I, I, all of my ration, my my mind, my rationality started to kick in, and I started to think, well, now what? What happens now? What what do I do? What do, you're looking at me, I'm looking at you. What what happens now? Then I started to think I should get someone's attention. And in the house, I had my girlfriend was in bed and my daughter was in bed. Um, and so I, I looked to the right, see that I had, the door was still open, the front door. So I considered just going through my head in a flash. I thought maybe I should shout out because someone else has to see this. Maybe I should shout out for them. Um, and at the moment I thought that, it really, really felt, I know I'm using words it's felt and it's all subjective, but... I can separate my own feelings from more than just a feeling, right? This this was separate. This was different. It felt as if I was being prodded to say, no, no, this is, don't do that. It's specifically, that would be inappropriate. You're not meant to do that. Um, but I did anyway. So I'm, I'm looking, I should go and shout. And I felt, no, that would be wrong. It's inappropriate. I feel like it's telling me it's inappropriate. It's just for me. It's personal. And But then I continue to think maybe I should run in because they won't hear me and I'll waste it and it will go away. So maybe I should run in. No, that would be inappropriate. Then I realized that after looking and seeing no neighbors, no movement, dead quiet, 
then I realized that in my coat that I was wearing, I had my top left breast pocket. I had my phone and it was a crappy uh, Nokia something. I mean, this is 2014. It barely had a video camera on it. You know, mm-hmm. um, the moment that I thought of my phone, I should take a video or a picture and I was going, I was intending to pull it out at that very moment. It started to move left just glided along it was so majestic and beautiful but i felt very specifically that i'd effed up i felt like mm. no no like i've really i've messed this up by what i was thinking to do and it started to move left and I, my reaction i didn't want the moment to end i didn't want it to go i felt so connected to it and it was so beautiful and so just beautiful so i said no 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 and i'm starting to walk under it and it's got to be uh, it's maybe 50, maybe 40 feet to the end of this pathway. So I start walking under it, directly underneath it as it's gliding above me. And then it starts to speed up because in a few steps, I've gone from walking to jogging. And then I'm starting to run a little bit because it's speeding up as it glides along. And it curved to the right, heading now heading in the kind of easterly direction. So I've, I've ran under it and it's gone way beyond me. So it's speeding up really quite fast and it's going higher and higher as it's going up and up uh, faster and faster. So I've reached a bunch of terraced houses and I know that there was no way that it's going to stop now. It's now going higher, faster. So I vouch to just stand back and keep my eyes on it because, it's, again, it's so beautiful to see. And I just watched it go up and up and up into this crystal clear night sky and watched it get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until it was just absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And if Max, it, oh. Max, this really strikes a chord with me, and I want to tell you why. This is what would exactly what would happen when I would ask a girl out. There's the awkward silence, you know? And then I'm like, hey, wait. I start to pull my phone out to get her number, and she's gliding away. Just like faster, just, faster. Faster, just like the ship did to you. I, You just brought something up in me, and I'm... Hold on a second. You're getting highly emotional now, David. <laughs> yeah. do, do you give up after you chase them down the road for a little while? Yes, yes. Yeah. And it, 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 I mean, you just replayed the whole event. I don't know how many girls I've asked out. It went just like that, Deb. It's terrible. Oh, boy. So, anyway, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I made her laugh. She's trying not to laugh. All right. Yes. I have one question to ask you guys before I go, mm. and I want to get your honest take on this, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as Deb knows, and as Mac, I, Max, I think sort of knows, I go in the woods a lot with my dogs. You know, I take them out there whenever I'm off work, you know, yep. we go and we spend time in the woods. And I've the last few times, you know, I'm thinking about my cabbies and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I hope can I channel Bigfoot that he will come out of the bush somewhere and walk over to me. Mm. And so I'm really trying to channel Bigfoot. Uh, Sasquatch, whatever we want to call him. So I want to see if you guys think that's a good idea or not. Deb? No. <laughs> you... No. No? <laughs> I don't think so. I think I've told you before that some people think that he um, is seen as a protector, mm-hmm. right? So he's not exactly like going to be super friendly when encountered. He's a protector of the woods, right? Uh-oh. So that could be dangerous. He won't be friendly. 
If I, I, yeah, okay. I don't think we should assume that he would be one to be friendly now. Uh, <laughs> Max, you look like you could be a peer of him. What What do you think? Do you think I should not be trying to summon Bigfoot? I've got a whole bunch of questions about the whole Bigfoot thing. Um, <laughs> We're going to do an oh, episode man. on that, man. We're going to yeah. have Micah Hanks. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, yeah, because, uh, wow. I mean, he seems a pretty scary character, but then again, Debs could be right. Maybe he's just protecting the woods and the elements, and uh, maybe I'm, he's. <laughs> I'm a friend to the woods. He should. Yeah. He should. He should welcome me. He should like turn to the side and say, "You can pass," instead of doing some Gandalf business and putting his staff in the ground. But anyway, yeah. all right. <laughs> I, Deb, thank thanks for uh, letting me be uh, for this interlude where of I course. got to come in and annoy Max and just tell you guys. Give good. you a sense of what it looked like when I would ask a girl out. It looked very much like Max's experience with a phenomenon. Uh, oh, wow. Silence, floating away, me going, wait, wait. So anyway. That's going to stay with me forever. Dude. You just you just changed the phenomenon for him forever. <laughs> thank, thank you very much, guys. Max, I'll talk to you soon. Thank I'll you, DJ. Okay. Okay, so we've yeah. gotten we've gotten through the the uh, second I would say encounter the first with your daughter this one uh, mm. the late and then the late coming into be a big craft and now it's leaving that's where we're at with the where things are going yeah yeah so um so the weird well okay so this is a weird thing that's um. I know that I looked at my phone just before stepping in and that all happened, right? And it was about 10 past or 11 minutes past four. So I had no moment where I missed anything in chronological order of what happened. So there was like no gap of me going, oh, there's this missing moment, right? So I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is what's unusual is that it did seem to take by the clock longer than what it should have done in terms of it didn't feel like it went on for that many minutes. I mean, it was certainly a few minutes. Um, but when I came inside, <clears throat> when I came inside, there's a, there was a clock on the wall just here in the kitchen. And I know that it was about 20 to 5. So, you know, 25, 30 minutes. Wow. Um, so that doesn't make sense. So whatever it whatever it is, it seems to mess up time in some way. Um, yes. And a lot of people have said that they have missing time. And I, I have a theory, uh, if they're <clears throat> doing something with space time, right, they're messing mm -hmm. with mass and things like that, um, to appear anti-gravitational, but it's not really. And the, they're using maybe some kind of bubble, you know, to mm -hmm. keep radiation out or whatever. That's part of all of it. I think there's a possibility that we're getting an impact related to time because mm. of what they're doing to move. Exactly. Somebody said uh, something on Joe Mergia's uh, thread the other day. Uh, somebody posted that they're not actually accelerating off at the speed that's causing that trace line visually for the observer on the ground. But it's that they're because they're warping time itself by the very way that they're moving, that it would possibly appear to move so tremendously fast so from zero to whatever thousands of miles an hour so it's it's that they're moving through time uh different 
compared to the observer in, in a different fashion at a different speed. So it appears as if that trace line effect, as if you've stretched them out really fast, really quickly. Like um, I thought that was interesting because that's probably possibly probably right. Anyway, so um, what happened is when I came back into the kitchen and I'm now my everything's changed for the rest of my life. Um, it was so shocking, and I've paced around. Um, I was extremely emotional. I mean, the shock of that. Um, I've never in my life been in such uh, a shock like that ever, and I've been through a lot of stuff, but that nothing has ever affected me as deeply and emotionally as that did. I was um, really, really, really upset and scared because, of course, I thought if I lost my mind, I honestly... And I trust myself. I'm I'm a really independent, strong-willed-minded person, and I I trust myself. And so that almost broke me that moment. It really did. Debs. It worried me because um, I felt broken emotionally, and uh, what's the word? Ontological shock. Yeah, um, I think that any time we go through something that is beyond what we are able to understand, the whole mm -hmm. world like changes, like. It's, a, it's the same experience with trauma. You know, anyone who's had a serious loss will understand, you know, the, that trauma that you, the whole world feels weird all of a sudden. Mm, it it yeah. looks like it's like a different world. So I understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I waited because I knew my girlfriend was going to be up in maybe an hour or something. Um, so I, I paced around trying to process it <laughs> uh, until she came downstairs and I, I stood there and I tried to put it into words and I literally couldn't verb. I couldn't speak. I didn't know where to begin, how to say it. And I was an emotional wreck and she, she gave me a hug and, and, you know, understood that. I'll... So I tried to tell her what I could. I don't think I probably made any sense. And so she went to work and I went and laid down in bed. The sun had come up and I, all of this time, like I mentioned earlier, I was getting what felt like electrical misfiring all over my brain, like little fireworks going off. And I was laying in bed. Um, and I was absolutely overexcited as, at the same time, because if I hadn't gone mad, <laughs> then suddenly what felt like magic is real. Uh, and I didn't know what it was. Though. So at the time, I didn't know what to make of it. I had no interest in this, uh, the, you know, ufology, and I've not, I've never been religious. Um, so I had no idea what had just happened to me. None. I didn't know what to make of it. I think that's one of the unfortunate aspects of all this. The fact that mm. no one is really prepared um, because it's been so stigmatized that no one really has that conversation. Like, if this happens to you, like, Hey, you're not crazy. It's happened to thousands of other people. You know, it's just, it's unfortunate. And I feel like uh, it's, it's like a lot of people are just out there blindly trying to get through it. Yeah. Oh, and I really, really feel for them because it's not something that ever leaves you. And it's not something it it's taken years to try to work through it. And I still like recently, I've got to say, I've had some real, real problems uh, going to sleep. I've ever since I've had problems sleeping. Um, 
but uh and a lot more a lot of questions that lead into some very very um the depth of these the way it touches you so profoundly the questions that you have in many ways in many ways it's it very deeply affecting so what do happens you, do you want to Sorry. break some of that down while we're on that topic what are some of the things that you're kind of going through like i don't mind i don't know if you want to share that publicly but i don't mind helping you process some of that yeah thank you well well i think it was everything else that happened afterwards as well as a whole is where it became which i now look at things differently so i know that the passage of time has really helped me to see things from a different perspective possibly which in a in one way helps but in other ways leads to even deeper questions mm -hmm. so um of course uh i didn't know what to make of what i just experienced if mm -hmm. it was just that moment it would still be just as shocking i think but i i didn't know if um if i <laughs> i didn't it felt magical it felt alien it felt godlike angelic it um i didn't know what box to put it in and i think again as humans we like to neatly put things away into boxes so that we feel we understand them and yet we can't do that with this phenomena because we don't have even now and i've obviously delved down these rabbit holes for ever since and I've tried to absorb as much information as I can ever since to try to understand it, to try to get some answers. Um, but all it's, huh, we still don't have the most basic questions answered. We don't know what it is, where it's from. <clears throat> I can only, the only difference in the experiences that we had is that I can tell you as best and as objectively as possible what it felt like, what it looked like and what happened um no embellishments no adding to it i'm just telling you exactly what i saw what i felt and what happened but even with that information it doesn't answer any questions and that is so frustrating it's an it's so so frustrating um yeah. i think that's where a lot of people are at they're so frustrated and angry because there's so much confusion um, and someone wants an answer, and I and I don't know that we're gonna get that uh, answer at this point. And I think that makes it even harder um, because in all the years that people have been studying this, um, the closest we have to an answer is there's probably multiple things going on, yeah. and and we don't really know where they're from. Mm -hmm. The thing that troubles me most is. Uh, I, I've I've gone down so many directions, and what troubles me is that the extraterrestrial hypothesis is the one that actually, based on what we what li little evidence and confirmation from higher up places, uh, government departments, and so on, because they're so close-lipped about it, closed-mouthed about it, the ETH, the extraterrestrial hypothesis, is the one that seems to make the least sense but it's the one i like to cling on to desperately to keep my sanity um because it would be easier to think of it them as one thing that is a, an alien being from some other planet in uh, nuts and bolts craft that are coming here um and they're just 
um, you know, using technology to, to mess with our consciousness and whatever else, right? Now, that's the one I'd like to hope. I hope it really is that simple because the alternative is much, much deeper, much, much more complex and just troubles, troubling. And I don't mean troubling in a negative way. I mean troubling because it leads to so many more questions about things which I had no belief in myself personally before about spirituality, about religious experiences in the text and historic religious um, happenings. And I say religious in the sense that the fact that this thing came into my mind and instructed me to do something and impacted me in such an emotional, uh, it felt like an angel was over my head. And that's the way I would have explained it 2000 years ago that, um, I was, uh, the questions like this, Debs, why later on, I know I haven't got to this and I'm taking so long to get there, but um, when we had a, the shadow figure in the doorway just behind me here for two days in a row and poltergeist activity and the other negative um, emotions that kicked in for two experiences, uh, footsteps, uh, heavy pounding footsteps with nothing visibly there all of those elements of what happened later, a lot of the stuff was ne was neutral, sorry. So we start with the love, then we had negative, then we had some, I had some neutral stuff, no, no feeling associated with it at all. Um, it leads into a lot of other questions about the nature of what we, again, we box away as paranormal. We like to yes. put things in boxes, but putting yeah. things in boxes doesn't do it justice. Yeah, and I feel like it's interesting because humans have really been encountering all of this for so long mm -hmm. since since we could put down something on pen and paper, so to speak, since since before then when we were using, you know, um, rocks to mm -hmm. communicate to people, you yeah. know, like the ends mm -hmm. or pictographs or petroglyphs. Or, I know petroglyphs. I can't remember how to say that, right? Mm -hmm. Hieroglyphs, all of those things, mm -hmm. right? So it's it's been happening um, s some unusual things. It's it's integrated into our religions. It's uh, integrated into our beliefs. It's integrated into what we think of as magic. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a pervasive thing that's been a part of our planet, and yet people want to call it paranormal. But perhaps the, that's a mistake. Perhaps we should have called it normal and learned to uh, put it into boxes. A long time ago even though we don't we don't like it <laughs> like right now because it's so hard but mm. but that's what we probably should have done we should have tried to understand it instead of dismissing it and i think you know we're getting at a better place now with that you know obviously mm. scientists are getting on board mm -hmm. they're trying well they were but publicly getting on board <laughs> right mm. Mm -hmm. and really trying to help people understand it a little better now um yeah but it is it is a shame and maybe because there is a connection to other paranormal things maybe once we get through this topic we'll address some of the other ones yeah well the, the most worrying thing that's bothered me recently is that it could be that w my most my biggest concern is that we're all completely going down the wrong path that this is a possibility we have to acknowledge that this is a possibility speculation i know that it's not at all it's not 
extraterrestrial at all in nature that it could be that in the world today where everybody is completely lacking spirituality shied away mostly from religion um and sometimes for good reason but that we could all be wrong and that there is an afterlife there is a spirit world and that these things are somehow connected to whoever you call god allah whatever you what word you want to associate to it and it kind of would connect them all together then but it's the one thing that nobody wants to do i don't want to go there and that's i have a real hard time with it but why else yeah. would if i here's the point that if if you listen to the world's most renowned paranormal researchers people at for example the society for psychical research in london um the oldest paranormal research organization on the planet um and i've been to a lecture by alan murdy he's a barrister he's a lawyer he's spent 40 plus years looking into specifically poltergeist activity and you listen to to any of his lectures and he will say that it tends to be when people are stressed out um, going through emotion emotional turmoil stress and if they've lost lost a loved one that can of course incite all of that but that's typically when poltergeist activity will begin now how how then is are there so many people that tend to have um ufo encounters when they're going through an extremely stressful time why is now it may be coincidence or it's telling you something that it's one of the same that maybe we're looking at one phenomena that's presenting itself in a multifaceted way as many different things or it is one thing either it's one thing or it's multiple things maybe ets exist and god exists whoever god may be and in whichever you know way you want to look at that and and then are we also saying that an afterlife does exist but then poltergeist researchers will say mostly that it's pk psychic kinetic energy of the living not disembodied spirits but then why are people seeing uh, poltergeist activity after a close encounter with a ufo so something has to tie this all in something's got to tie it in and the thing that would best do that is to say that ufos are not at all extraterrestrial in nature i don't know i have a, a few thoughts i'll throw mm. in here just to surmise some things um mm. one i think it's possible to consider that it's the electromagnetic issue that causes mm. some of the other experiences um for instance you know i do believe there are distinct poltergeist activities that happen right but they mm. might be like somehow attracted to an area that has a lot of em activity right or they when people for instance go to um skinwalker and come home having issues it may be that something that they were carrying with them picked up that em right mm. and attracted right. activity to them um so it may be they're like magnets and it's also possible that when we're going through emotional difficult times we might be emitting something that we're not even aware of that's also attracting things mm -hmm. um it's almost well, like a cry for help that we don't know what that is but it's like mm -hmm. yeah similar well, that's the point that's the point that um i got the opportunity recently uh, i was really 
happy to, even though I asked only one question, of Gary P. Nolan, uh, Stanford professor, right? Um, that worked with Kit Green, the CIA, with the, not only um, Jack Valet, not only on the metamaterials, but on the MRI scan data from the weird box um, at the CIA of those hundred subjects. Um, and what he, what he had said, which you'll know, and most people will know, that there's evidence that people that are suffering from, let's say, extreme depression uh, will have physical brain changes take place. So, um, so not only when somebody's stressed out, ultra depressed for whatever reason, there are physical things that are happening, uh, frequency changes of the brain. And if the brain is an antenna, and consider again, we know nothing really of consciousness, but then we're definitely tapping in or some in some way that's, uh, that's doing something. It's, it's calling some, something in. And I, I heard there was a Michael Persinger who passed away a couple of years ago um, that worked at Laurentian University in Canada, uh, lecturer there. And he did a, a really good talk um, called No More Secrets. And I'd suggest anybody look it up where he was theorizing a lot of stuff about how people can have these shared experiences. Uh, it would explain a lot of stuff with um, um, remote viewing, actually, where, you know, people will think of a loved one all of a sudden that they haven't seen in 10 years, suddenly think of them very strongly, and then the phone rings and they've just been told they've just died at the very moment they were thinking of them. Uh, his explanation is that because the planet is bathed in all of this electromagnetism, then in fact, it's not the power of the signal, it's not the strength of the signal, it's the frequency. And that frequency can be a very, very subtle one, but it can permeate the planet and travel around the planet's um, electromagnetic radiation around the globe very quickly within a couple of minutes. And, and so I think we're just looking at things in the wrong, we, again, it all comes down to verbal communication and the fact that we pigeonhole things prematurely we come to conclusions prematurely and we don't put things in the right boxes so a lot of the um the things tied to the phenomenon have to do with this concept of frequencies and radiation everything from the metamaterials um which seem to impact um how they're seen and stuff like that um and i think it's the terahertz frequency is where they seem to have something to do with the terahertz frequency. And mm. then, of course, the fact that, you know, we know that if you look at what EM radiation does, it's very similar to what happens when you encounter a UAP. Then, of course, we know there's gamma radiation because people have burns and end up with cancer mm. symptoms or actual mm. cancer. Um, and then we have the possibility even that they may be messing with the earth's um quote ether i was told the ether which is like where great the radiation just kind of is emitted including the um earth's gravitational um radiation i don't know how to put that so i think mm -hmm. that you know yes there's stuff that we're not able to see that perhaps other beings are they're maybe mm -hmm. picking things up like if your brain is changing you know you might be putting something out that you're not aware of they're doing mm -hmm. research on some of what our body does that you know we still don't fully understand like we emit something called a biofield 
some people right. are doing research on something called photon work where our bodies emit photons um we do have thermal radiation of course mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and then there's also the whole thing with the uh, the genetics factor like supposedly what you do can turn certain genes on and off um yeah. like so that could be magnifying all of this like so mm -hmm. if for instance you're really depressed not only necessarily will your brain change but your genes may change right. which which ties into what some people have said about our genes kind of having like a code in them not just mm -hmm. the obvious code but like a hidden message so right. like <laughs> there's so mm -hmm. many possibilities but i do think it's possible to see it in a physical way um, mm. that goes beyond just the consciousness aspect. There's, there's actual, I think, science that people are going to un will uncover about all of this as well that may mm -hmm. explain some things and show how it's all connected. I was a so, long response. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's no, good. It's good. I just <laughs> wanted to chuck in there as well that um, if you look at the data, public available data from NASA uh, or anywhere, really, um, you'll find that, you know, we only know that about 5% of normal matter in the universe. So as much as we like to think as the human race with our greatest minds on planet Earth, we still don't have a clue uh, about 68% of dark energy, 27% of dark matter by NASA's figures. And we don't know anything about it, what it what's going on there. You know, so if we're made up of the same stuff that stars and the universe is made up of, um then we really don't understand much even about the nature of physical reality we just don't and there are i put a clip on my twitter page of um a video from back in the late 80s early 90s of a guy with some incredible um healing powers energy and you can see that they really took a lot of effort to try to put meters on him work out what was going on to study this uh, elect this energy that he was using to hit, help people and heal them. Um, and they, it wasn't setting off the EMF, EMF uh, meter at all. And yet they were getting shocked from him. Uh, and I've had an experience myself from somebody in a, in a bar. Once I walked into a place in Barcelona in 2008 in a going through a terrible time at that point. And I walked into this crowded Irish bar broad daylight um, and as i approached with somebody i was with and was stressed out a complete stranger a woman with a fur coat on in barcelona in the middle of summer with a guy sat to her right just turned around looked at me and smiled as she put her hand out to me touched my my stomach area my abdomen and i went to step back because i thought well i was surprised that she was going to touch me and the moment she put her hand on me, Debs, it felt like all of the negative energy in my whole body was just sucked out through her. And I stood there in surprise how it just completely calmed me. It drained me of all the stress I was feeling at the moment. And she got up, turned around, and walked into the crowd with this guy. And this other, the person I was with, we had to rush off. And I'm like, what? Who was that? What did she just do to me? That was amazing. So, um, I've always questioned that moment because that was incredible by itself. Right. So I know um, these things, human body, the human mind, we're capable of so much more. 
that we haven't tapped into. We don't understand the universe or the energy or the matter or materialism, but we like to think we know everything, right? And we really right. don't. But, we don't uh, even know about all of our ocean, <laughs> like so our, exactly. our oceans. Like we don't, we don't know about all of our brain. We don't know about all of our ocean. We, we actually uh, keep discovering new species on the planet. Mm, like every okay. year, they discover more, um, uh-huh. and all of that can change at any moment. I think it was just in the late '90s that we discovered um, the thermal vents with life teeming with life at the bottom of the huge pressure of. Uh, the oceans and yet previously they thought that wasn't possible there's no light um it's there's too much pressure and yet we find also that there's bacteria that feeds directly off electricity and emits electricity and it's a bacteria Mm -hmm. there's no processes um there is so much we don't know and and so it's an amazing uh it's it's fantastic there's so much knowledge to be gained but um, I, I'm sorry for keep coming off subject. No, I know, you know, it's absolutely what we wanted to do. And in, in fact, mm. I have a feeling we won't get to the whole story tonight because it's, you know, mm. we already are at an hour and 16 minutes. Oh, sorry. Of, but that's okay. I think that's good. We'll get a chance to talk about more in the future. Um, and this is the kind of thing that we all should be doing is just sitting down and trying to put our heads together and figure out what's going on. Um, so another thing that uh, I wanted to mention before we get way too far away from it, because there's so much to talk about. Um, we yeah. were talking about how you think there's a possibility that these beings that we're encountering may actually come from God. Okay, so I wanted to address that a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, one thing I wanted to say is that, in my opinion, we shouldn't get caught up too much in semantics i think people get caught up and then they get freaked out and then they worry about religion and offending religions and don't like some people feel an aversion to being religious and i think that if we just if we took the semantics out if you just change the name of things people wouldn't freak out because like honestly i i was speaking to a medium fairly recently and her take on these beings is that they're angels you know, so everyone has a different perspective. When you talk to um, some people um, who are indigenous in different countries, they're going to tell you they might be their ancestors. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I feel like people get caught up on, it's like some, so there's creation myths that have to do with star people, you know, and gods. In Egypt, they believed that, you know, the gods were you know, from the heavens and the bloodline of the pharaohs was from the gods. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like if we just take the semantics out, it'll just make more sense. Like the simplicity of it is, yes, we're interacting with beings who are appearing to come from our sky. They appear to be more powerful than us and they appear to be somehow related to us. That seems to be the common pattern take out all of the other names for it and look at the basics and it's not so freaky and the fact that angel means messenger right fundamentally is what it means messenger um the reason that i have veered um heavily to uh towards that kind of uh thought process recently 
is a bunch of things, Debs, but it, it's the whole experience as a whole at the time and for years didn't make sense to me. And I was questioning, without going into the whole entire experience over those three, three and a half years, won't make much sense. But you've got to trust me that um, I was confused as hell as to why, 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 why did it make me feel such tremendous love at the front door there that first night? And then later, why would it almost intentionally make me scared out of my wits? And it wasn't, again, it didn't feel like a natural reaction. It wasn't reactive as an emotion that I felt scared because I had a reason to be. I was fine, but it felt almost intentionally projected upon us. And one of those moments was with my girlfriend in the back garden and later on with my teenage son. Um, and so from the bigger picture, over years, I've started to just recently, I've listened to some other things which have made me think, oh, wow. Um, Chris Bledsoe, recently I listened to him talking about a year ago, and he said that in 2012, when he had the encounter with what he called the lady, almost like the Virgin Mary had appeared to the children in Portugal, in Fatima, in 1917, that he was given uh, a message that there is only love and fear, and love unites and fear divides us. And when I heard him say that, it struck me like a ton of bricks because it's it helped me to potentially make sense of the reason behind why I was I felt incredible fear and incredible love. And that the whole thing that happened to me was a it was teaching me something through the experience itself not in words. I didn't have a lady appear to me and tell me those things, but the experience itself was teaching me the same thing, that humanity itself is needing a guiding hand because we're self-destructive. We're not only self-destructive, but we're destroying the planet. And like I say, it really hit me hard when I heard him say that because when I finally, and only in the last year and a bit, did I report what had happened to us and I got uh, the director of MUFON contact me, Jack Turnbull, for the UK, uh, MUFON UK director. And when he phoned me, it quite surprised me because he talked to me at length, in depth, very specifically about religion, about Mary Magdalene, and about Jerusalem and uh, Christianity and star of Bethlehem. he talked to me a lot about this stuff and uh and i at the time i was trying to jot down everything i could and i didn't quite understand why he why he was so heavily going down that route um but as i've just literally tonight when i looked into it after listening to chris Bezzo talk that time he mentioned that the lady gave him a premonition that we're going to go through some really troubled times for the next couple of years um and he said this back in 2020, I think, uh, just at the start of um, COVID the pandemic. He said it's not going to be over yet. And she, he didn't want to be negative, but he said that he'd seen some other stuff that was really bad, something different. Um, and he said that his vision from her was that when the star, the red star Regulus is on the dawn horizon, 
that the Sphinx in the Giza Plaza, when the Sphinx is looking at Regulus at dawn, and it will be the 23rd of September in 2026 when that happens, that the humanity will have new knowledge, whatever that means, and that things will enter into an age of a new knowledge. Now, when you look at Regulus, Debs, mm -hmm. turns out that that was the star of Bethlehem. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, it's funny because a lot of people are talking about that same time frame. Mm -hmm. um, last year, Anjali came out and spoke about five years from now, right? But she said that humanity will be at a different level of understanding, right? And then I was watching Spaced Out Radio, um, and they were talking about um, why is disclosure happening now? And they were surmising, is it possible that something's on its way right now, on its way, and will be arriving, and they're trying to prepare people? Mm -hmm. um, so it's interesting, the timing, you know, and, but my only hesitation with that is that I don't get the impression that these entities want to directly interfere. Um, I feel like Maybe, I mean, maybe they'll come to a point where they'll have to because some of them clearly live here. They're clearly attached to the planet. They're using the planet's resources. They collect water all the time. There are sightings of UAPs taking water. Um, some people think they're even going for things like gold, but I'm like, eh, I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know about that one. But, um, and they definitely appear to be in, in our oceans. Um, mm. So, well, I mean, maybe if it gets bad enough, they'll have to do something, right? But for the most part, I feel like they aren't trying to interfere like that directly. I think in a, the way that I, I approach that thought process is that it appears from, right, the way that I'm rationalizing, or <laughs> rationalizing is the wrong word on this one, um, the kind of direction that my thinking on this has gone recently is that if you take, if you assume that religion, uh, let's say, for example, Christianity, Catholicism, Judaism, uh, even Islam, of course, as well, very uh, similar. If you take the stories, um, maybe not all of them, but it appears that we've had a guiding hand trying to help humanity to do to be better, to not be so violent, destructive, um, the duality of everything, love and fear division, separation, um, hating one another because you feel different to one another. All of this is destructive and it's it's not clever, it's stupid. Um, and it appears that if they don't, whoever they are, whatever it is, um, plural or not, it appears that it's trying to give a guiding hand, trying to help us to become better. And it could be that that helps them too, if indeed they are them from somewhere else so if um i know that a lot of people have, have touched on this and john ramirez the retired cia guy um think about it this way if they were really after resources they can get resources from if they are et they can get resources from any meteor any comet that they like you know comets are gas balls or, or ice balls with all of those resources on board we're even looking at doing that as a human race we can get all of those precious metals and whatever else we want from meteors and comets 
Um, we don't need, they would not need to come to earth to do that. Um, if they were coming here for anything, what is unique about the earth, uh, possibly? Um, and that us. would be genetics, DNA. Yeah, us. We're yeah. also a resource. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, people think that one of their purposes is more geared towards not only experimenting, but repopulating other planets. Um, yes. And mm. and if, if you want to really go down the rabbit hole, some people think that, you know, all living beings are basically vessels for consciousness, which is where that whole idea of a simulation theory comes into place. Um, in my opinion, it comes into play. Um, that, you know, we are in a sort of simulation. Life is a simulation. The real being is your consciousness, right? It's almost like a parasitic host relationship. Um, mm -hmm. When you think about it, it's kind of a little creepy. But <laughs> when I say it that way, but, you know, that's another thing. Like, you know, um, that's a lot of people in a lot of different religions believe there's multiple lives that the soul comes out when we're done, goes somewhere near God, around where these angels are. And, you know, a lot of people think they come back into another life. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it, again, it leads into um, that t telepathic instruction. It, it certainly made me consider, again, if I was to superimpose that to the whole Christianity and Bible stories, I can... Uh, as DJ actually mentioned, you know, there's, I don't know an awful lot about the Bible, I'm afraid. And I've only delved in certain aspects uh, recently, but <clears throat> you, from what I've heard, um, I forget who it was, was, was asked, told to sacrifice his son on the rock that is supposedly the, the dome on the rock in Israel, Jerusalem there. Um, and when he went to do it, you consider that if he was instructed to do something, if he had, if anybody had that thing that was over me, over them, and they were instructed the way that I was instructed to go outside and overwhelmed with the emotion and the majesty and the awe of this thing. Uh, I've got to say this because it's, again, another really weird part of it, really hard to describe other than saying that for those moments that I was under that thing, it felt realer, realer than real. Um, and it's hard to, again, put that into words, but somehow for those moments, it felt so base reality. It felt like everything else isn't quite real enough. That was as if all of my senses, all of my being, every cell in my body and my soul and everything else was entirely focused on this, this thing, this moment, this connection as if nothing else could ever be as real as that. Like that was the real, real. Right. Everything else was just, a, you know. So, um, yeah. What's interesting about that is ballet thinks the phenomenon it has a control mechanism in place for mm -hmm. us uh, and is guiding us towards something. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily implied it's a religious intent. Like, you know, the word mm -hmm. religious kind of is where I have a problem. It's one of those semantics yeah. things that it's not necessary. Um, yeah. You know, it's just what is. And um, my my only hesitation is, yeah, that's possible. We've probably had engagement um, at some level, not really a global level, 
Um, but even like in the stories about the angels, the angels are jealous of us. Um, they were created separately. They weren't human. You know, they were different sky beings, essentially. And they did try to educate us. Um, and then they were, some of them were punished. Um, the same story is in the um, Greek myths with Prometheus. He was punished for trying right. to help humans. Um, I guess, I guess my thing is though, my only hesitation, despite, you know, the fact that it's implied that there might be a connection to our religions is that there have been awful atro atrocities, you know, Hiroshima, uh, the, the two bombs, um, even the H bomb later with the testing and these were, were not stopped. Well, this is, I've got to say when I was a, kid um or when i was younger i i grappled with that i used to say this kind of thing um where i would i actually i would <laughs> how can i put this i said to myself and possibly to others at the time that if god exists then why would there be xyz all of these horrible things on the in the world but as i've grown up and grown older i actually see it from a different perspective we're talking about <clears throat> man-made or human-made um, destruction, human-made. If we have the free will, then it, that's – if so if these things can give a, a guiding hand, can a little prod, a little push, the perfect way to do that without in, directly um, getting in the way would be to, um, to create these moments throughout history that we put down as religion where people have had these messages given to them, hence angel messengers. And they've had these personal moments because maybe they're, they're not supposed to come down and stop us because that's our doing. So that's like, it's just like raising a child, right? Where you can guide them, you can give them advice, uh, you can pull them to one side and have a, a quiet word in their ear, but you let them, you need to let them make their own mistakes Otherwise, they won't learn. They won't grow. But some people make force, destruction, and pain and suffering on others, as we see today with Ukraine. You have I, I'm doing business with a, with some Chinese guys, right? And I had this conversation just last night with um with Malcolm from China. Uh, he was telling me what makes him upset is that we have so few people that. Set again, it comes down to words, verbal communication, where they say the Chinese or China, and then it's as if you're encapsulating over a billion people, as if it's their will, each and every individual. It's not. So whoever, you know, like Oppenheimer with the invention of that bomb, the guilt that he must have felt, you know, he has become the destructor of worlds that he quoted, um, because... A couple of people is all it takes to press, uh, you know, to, uh, it only takes one person to give the issuance to fire a nuclear bomb. But how many millions and millions and millions, if not billions of people and other animals and creatures will be destroyed because of that one person? So it's not, if there is a God and angels and all of, of this, it's not them that have caused pain and destruction. Um, it, that's man's doing. Uh, you know, man as in the human race or individuals within it. Well, it's worth noting that in the Old Testament, 
and um, which is also a big part of Judaism. Um, it has a different name. I'm, I don't want to try to say it because I'll say it wrong. But um, those old texts and even in some of the other religions I've looked at, God is not nice. Mm. God is an well, angry well, God. Mm. It wasn't until we had the New Testament that anyone got the idea that God might be nice. God was pretty much a boss. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But it's that's what I mean. Though, is it's I'm I've never been religious, and um, what I've found is that the for the longer I delve into it all, the more kind of it, you can't help but be directed into this kind of line of thought process of hold on poltergeist because we directly experience them and again i apologize because i've spent so much time not talking about what happened to us but um yeah so i can't help we had direct poltergeist experience in this house we had a shadow figure that scared the living day that's out of me made me jump twice two days in a row in broad daylight we had um complete footsteps with nothing visibly there um as well as balls of light in the sky a black cylindrical object we had all of this stuff happen over the course of three three and a half years while a hell of a lot of turmoil was going on at home as well and stress but um so i know all of this stuff is real uh, there's without question so all that's left for me to do is try and figure it out <laughs> i've got to try and figure it out um and i can't help but find too much relates to uh other aspects um i'll I tell you this devs one of the things that concerned me recently again was i because of the whole miracle at fatima the listening to chris bledsoe in 2012 and the lady approaching him and giving him this information and then what happened with the uk director of mufon talking to me about the miracle at fatima in 1917 and the lady appearing to those three children um i actually uh, read the letters that was sent by Sister Lucia, Lucia, the surviving girl, and I read those letters, the trans transcripts, translations. And what bothered me is that we had the shadow figure, semi-translucent, right? And when you read her words, in the first, the first instance when the lady appeared to them. Um, she was given what she said in the letter to the Pope, uh, a vision of hell. And there were demons writhing around in hell that in her words, in that letter translated, that they were black, translucent. Um, and that bothered me <laughs> again. Right. It bothered me. I know. I think the thing is, you know, again, it's the semantics. So yeah. I, do, I think... Um, when we say demon, we definitely go into, oh, well, if you sin, you're going to hang out with yeah. them, you know, and like, that's where I get into like, don't, don't use religious terms with this. It's mm. very possible that that's the entity that was described as a demon to a religious person. But, exactly. in a, but another person would say, well, that's just an interdimensional being. It's a yeah, semantics exactly. issue. So it doesn't help, I think, always to put the religious context. But what is interesting mm -hmm. is, in a sense, um, you know, I, I read Dr. Basolka's American Cosmic. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. read it yet. And I haven't. Yeah, I, I suggest it because religion is an aspect of this no matter what we do. Because, exactly. of course, 
we use beliefs quite a bit with this story, you know. Um, there's even practically scripture. If you look at, like, to me, the foyers might be considered the scripture. Um, there's um, a magical sense, just like in religion, right? Um, so there's there is a lot. There's also that there's a calling. People get the calling. I got the calling. I told her about that myself. Then also, there's, of course, um, that change that happens when people find the religion, right? There's even the, the division within the community. Like, there's different, like, say, Christianity has, like, 20 different versions at least, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. Presbyterian, uh, mm. so on and so forth, Catholic, all Christian. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's it's a lot, and you, it's under the Religious Studies and Race University. Um, mm -hmm. So there is there are parallels. Well, this is the thing, Debs. I'm not, um, the one thing I don't want to do is make any, I'm not dedicating myself to one train of thought because I want to be uh, absolutely um, as neutral as possible and just try to find what I can and try to make sense of it. That's all I'm, I'm trying to do for myself. Um, I have to because I can't just live the rest of my life not having any answers. I feel that's uh, the biggest, horriblest part of this is um, that I, I need to make sense of it. And so well, I, what, I don't want to... Mm. <laughs> I have a thought for you. Let's just no. try this one. It's a little possibility. What if the idea is, yes, we are essentially in a simulation our real beings are our souls our consciousness right after you live in the simulation when you get to choose your next life if you have not done a good job if you've been awful if you've shortened the life of another light being right or something your punishment is you get sent to the dimension that looks like it's filled with demons right <laughs> that will be called demons what if that's what's going on but if you do well you get to hang out a little longer where god is mm, you know yeah. no one could see my air quotes for god yeah. but <laughs> but but like that's that's a possibility you know well this is why i i prefer to just again like most people i guess i prefer to um i hope that it is extraterrestrials from another planet that have been here for an awfully long time a very very long time and that for whatever reason they're trying to gently guide us along maybe and doing whatever they want to do um because i just want to mention that these these orbs of light these balls of light that are seen all over the place um and that's what i saw my daughter saw we had other people neighbors people i don't know uh, one person took a picture one person caught it on dash cam up the road in 2018 um john ramirez talked about this didn't he on cab he said that we've you know he okay i'm gonna have to paraphrase i don't want to put words in his mouth of course but he was talking about um these things are being seen coming in certainly low earth orbit and of course sensors and satellites are looking busy looking down at the planet um one thing i'd like answered i really really wish we'd try and push for more information and confirmation on this aspect if we're seeing these things from satellite and sensor data looking down so we know they're in our atmosphere and john mentioned that too right energy spheres balls of energy 
that are seen, I assume, in infrared and visible light spectrum. So who's going to talk about if we're seeing these things coming in from deep space? So anything beyond the moon's uh, quarter of a million miles away. So we need people to talk about that because instead of just saying, well, these things must be ET, well, show us the evidence that we're seeing anything coming in from beyond the moon's orbit. That should be a real big issue because we've got people have um, talked about seeing things over the decades uh, on mm -hmm. videos, NASA, uh, even the Russian space agency stuff. So I'd like people to really delve into that more. So if they're ET, yeah. show us the data. It's so funny you had asked that too, because I had not long prior to that also put out a question to people saying, is it possible they're not coming from deep space, but are in fact coming from portals that are mm -hmm. not very far out from our atmosphere? Um, yep. And actually, I think those portals are probably on Earth as well. Um, mm -hmm. Some people think that, that there are portals uh, at Skinwalker Ranch. Some people mm -hmm. think there are portals in the water. Um, some people even think there might be stuff going on with the moon, right? Mm -hmm. So right. if they're not actually in deep space, that's something I want people to think about. That I don't think that that rules out ET, and I'll tell you why. Because mm -hmm. I think that that's still a viable way for anything that wants to get here um, to potentially travel, um, including interdimensional. Um, yeah, so I, that's where I'm having that problem with ruling things out. I feel like yeah. there's everything still is on the table in my world, you know, in, yeah. in, in my view of things. Yeah. Um, then, yeah. Sorry, I'm searching to interrupt, I've got to say, because you hit it, the nail on the head. So again, coming back to the our understanding of material in the universe and within us, everything. So we only we only know of five percent of normal matter. So in other words, we can't measure apart from the effect it possibly has on the expansion of the universe, right? So they can measure that dark or deduce they can deduce that dark energy must exist because it would explain why the uh, universe is expanding more and more rapidly now so they they postulate then that 68 percent of the world uh, universe is dark energy 27 uh, percent is dark matter this is figures off of the nasa website so therefore if we can't see it we can't measure it but we know something's there then these things could be coming from any, any part of that um something which we can't measure we can't see and we don't understand. So we already know that the evidence is there, that there's all of this stuff that we can't see, measure, or understand. So what, however they're getting here, like you said, and spot on, they could be coming here, but by means that we can't see and we can't measure, but yet they're doing it anyway. And I want to say, I think Eric Davis actually did a paper about how he thinks it's wormholes. Mm, right. I, there is a paper out there about that. Um, and he, of course, has studied this for a considerably long time from not only being in a part of OSAP, but, you know, his involvement with the government. So, mm. I mean, I can't rule that out. And if you exactly. watch, if you have watched Contact uh, recently, her travel is through wormholes, which right. is 
you know, of course, just a reflection of something we're all kind of wondering, you know, is that mm. how things would travel great distances? Mm. So, yeah, possibly. We, we It's theoretical for us. They might have mm -hmm. a different name for it. It might be something we can't even think of. We, can, exactly. we just don't know. But, oh, this, but I will tell you the thing that, that gets me, and, I, and I'm going <laughs> to try to <laughs> get us to stop talking soon because I know it's like an, almost an hour over. Oh, we sorry. Just have, sorry. No, it's not your fault. It's just there's so much. But, yeah. um, but one thing I would say is one thing that I have always had a problem with was what is outside of the universe i don't buy that mm -hmm. there can be nothing outside of the universe and mm -hmm. then i go well what's out of that outside of that you know like yeah. so for me yeah. it's like um my brain is incapable of imagining uh just nothing like floating and nothing yeah. like that's not a thing <laughs> there's something around it <laughs> yeah what was before it as well but but then I also when I think about that I get into what was implied in Horton Here's a Who and uh, Men in Black that maybe all of the universe is just a little tiny droplet in something bigger. Yeah, yeah, we're a flea on a dog's back in some right. alien dog somewhere. <laughs> right, I know, but I guess that's the amazing thing about humans is that we sit here and try to figure it out. You know, we try to understand. Um, mm -hmm. you don't see dogs worrying about this. No. Well, maybe they maybe they've got it all figured out, but they just can't yes. tell us. <laughs> yeah, I, that's true. Yeah. Maybe they're like, "Why are you wasting so much time? Just relax, yeah. cuddle, <laughs> get some food, sleep, run around yeah. a little bit, play with a ball. Exactly. What are you doing?" And he, yeah. and I'll, and I do think about that sometimes. I think maybe we have overcomplicated things sometimes. Yeah, but that's again. It comes back to why I think um, the whole we we because we verbal communicate. We communicate verbally, and that like we talk, dogs don't communicate as such by, of course, yeah, verbal language, right? Um, and so, who's to say that these things do? I mean, they're capable of communicating effectively, perfectly, in absolute perfection, by uh, what we call telepathy, and so if they're teaching or trying to trying to pass on some message then they would do it who says they have to do it in any way other than their own and we just can't comprehend that well one thing i keep um wanting to say to people about this is that there is a possibility that they are very much trying to communicate to all of us and mm. we're just not hearing it um yeah. and that some people like yourself are occasionally but overall, a lot of people are not hearing it and that they're trying. Mm -hmm. You know, we get frustrated about SETI, about how we're trying to uh, get uh, responses mm -hmm. from radio or pick up a radio signal. Um, we threw uh, gold uh, records out into space, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, mm -hmm. but, but what if they're frustrated too because they're trying to communicate and they don't understand why we don't understand? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, again, it's, the fundamental questions are the ones that bothered me the most. Is that we just don't have, we don't even have the answers to the basics, and yet we have obviously in the search for answers we go down all of these um, avenues, heavily speculating because we don't have anything else much to work with, and if governments, 
Look, I, I, I want to say this as well, Debs. I, I've done everything I possibly can in my power to try to get my government to respond to anything with what happens. And I've got minutes, dates, uh, minutes, seconds, hours. You know, I've got video of something in 2017, July 17, 2017, broad daylight, a metallic sphere approached my position while I was at work. Um, I contacted uh, the REF via email where the public have the right to uh, put low-flying complaints in, thanks to um, Ash, who's a gentleman in the UK, great guy. I forget his Twitter handle now, but he knows who he is if he hears this. Um, he's given me some good advice along with Dave at Shadows of the Mind magazine, put me in touch with Ash, and I met him along with Vinny in Birmingham recently. Anyway, he gave me some advice on what I might be able to do to get some movement, to look into my own, what happened here, the, my own case. So I've done everything I can. Uh, and I've had nothing but stonewalling and ignorant responses. And nothing's going to happen. So I contacted the local REF base. I spoke to the operator over the course of three days, several times, trying to speak to the control tower to see if they had any radar returns or records of all of the instances we had. And not once did they pick up the phone. I literally gave up at that point. Uh, I contacted via email the low-flying complaints for the REF to say, hey, I've and I said to them, I've got the day, minute, and hour, the location of where there was, and I did not mention the word UAP, UFO, alien, or anything. I said unknown or an object that was in the sky at this many meters from the ground. And the response was entirely, you know, the, the generic, the MOD, the Ministry of Defense, do not investigate UFO, UAPs. We've decided that it's not worth our time and effort. We'll put it into other things. And I, and I thought, I didn't even mention the word UFO. <sighs> yeah, um, I think, honestly, Max, I feel like the politics of what's going on with governments related to this could be a whole nother two hours. <laughs> like, because mm -hmm. I, yeah. I get I get the very strong sense that because the United States had NASA, and mm. for really literally that only reason, mm. a lot of things were handed over to the United yeah. States. Moon dust was going out to other countries and picking things up, satellite pieces, so on and so forth. And it's interesting because when we had um, crash retrieval week, when we were celebrating that some months ago, I mean, I even found stuff um, from, oh, I can't remember, the UN, I'm sorry, the UN, talking mm -hmm. about what do we do if we have an object that doesn't seem to have a country of origin? that has fallen from the sky right mm. they didn't know but there's no protocol in place other than this for most people go to people who have a space program right yeah so i think that a lot of things are being done behind the scenes that they're not mm. being talked about a lot of yeah. those things are handing it off to someone else it's pretty obvious that the Air Force has been called out for having been continuing to work on this without revealing it to others. But the mm -hmm. bigger issue is the non-reporting. You know, they didn't want people to report. They, yeah. they suppressed reports. They yeah. ordered people not to report, right? Yeah. They, so so mm -hmm. that was really risky. And, mm -hmm. and it has to be 
that there was a reason that there was a reason and ultimately i think that reason is if they have to be really public with it if they have to be really honest if everyone is reporting if everyone is really out there they're gonna mm -hmm. have to admit they don't know everything they yeah. don't know who these creatures or beings or entities or others really are they don't know how they're getting here they don't know mm -hmm. where they're from they mm -hmm. know that they're more uh technologically advanced and that's about it they have no control it's exactly and that's um, a scary thing for them to admit yeah so i've i've contacted the ref based local no response i've contacted the ref low-flying complaints and they've just stonewalled me and ignored it which is disgusting because for all they know i could be talking about some foreign adversary and they've just said eh, eh, we don't care we're not even going to respond to you properly I've contacted Bufora, the so-called British organization for UFO research. They never responded. Um, I've even written to every one of the defense committee members for the UK House of Commons Parliament. I, I didn't put my name and address on that one, but so no response. Um, and I've also written to my member of parliament for Peterborough, the House of Commons. He yeah. responded, but again, a blanket denial. So what I've got to say there is, is there's, there's absolutely nothing any member of the public can do no matter what happens to you with a ufo whatever they are mm -hmm. whatever happens to you you're screwed you can't talk right. to anyone the government don't respond even national organizations that claim to be researchers don't respond right. um, it's ridiculous so no you have no avenue yeah. to outlet for what's happened to you and I, honestly i hear about things like that in the united states as well um mm. a friend of mine tried to go to mufon and mufon ignored the calls and they ended up going to the seu for their investigation right. um and which because there are just a ton of different investigative groups right and then if you do report to an organization like mufon what happens they just put your information in a database that doesn't help you that doesn't solve anything yeah right? i was surprised I was surprised that Jack Turnbull did call me. Um, I was surprised mm -hmm. and I was happy that he did. He's the only one that did respond um, like that. And it did help me for him to call me. Right. Yeah, I, I, will, yeah, I will say that they do have other things that help now. Right. Okay. But yeah. generally speaking, like when you are reporting, that's not going to help you figure out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He, he literally said to me, don't approach social media, stay off of, of being online about it. And he said, just, he talked to me a lot about the, you know, the whole religious aspects potentially of it. Um, and he did say that his, and I, I don't know if I should do this, but his personal belief, he said to me was that it's, it is ET uh, in um, origin and that it is um, essentially the whole religious aspect going throughout history of the human race of humanity has been their influence over us and to be quite honest by this point that he called me i'd kind of approached that that hypothesis mm. myself as the main one i'm not saying it's right, right. it is speculation right. well, it's just uh i just i went like oh their influence over us because i think that's uh tom delong's uh view also that you know they're using religion to manipulate like so mm. that's a whole nother concept a whole nother thing but Unfortunately, we've reached two hours, and I know that 
knowing you and I, we could probably go for another two, but definitely, definitely. <laughs> so I, I think we might have to postpone that. Maybe no. we'll have some juicy information falling into place and we'll come back later. Um, well, there actually is. And I, again, I do apologize. I promise if you haven't back Debs, I will just stick to the, what happened to no, us in Criminal School. this is Corona. way better, Max, because your story is already available. I told people when you had to take that little break, um, your story is available. You made it publicly available for people. You're helping to, um, I guess, end stigma is what the best way to put it. And that's what yeah. we all need to be trying to do. And you're one mm -hmm. of the few people who's brave enough to do it with your full name out there, just letting people know that they can come and talk to you. Um, I think a lot of experiencers appreciate having that support. Um, so, yeah, don't feel bad about that. This is what happens when when we talk, and that's fine. <laughs> it's not. It's nice. It's so nice to be able to talk to somebody about it one right. one like this. And it's right. it, just this, Debs, is really really helps me. Right. Um, because I know the Twitter spaces. I joined one last night with Danny Silver. He's great. Um, but it's of course you have so many perspectives, so many people to, trying to talk. That right. um, it's really nice to be able to talk to you one on one like this. Right. Um, and I, but I do promise I will stick to. to I'll get the whole story out in one hit. If you have me I know. We'll, we'll have to say okay. <laughs> we're, we 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 went through about I think maybe half of it, but that's fine. And that's that yeah. again. It's okay. And yeah. um, because I think we really just touched on a lot of things that people are thinking about and dealing with. Mm. Um, and I and I think that people will relate to having those questions. And that's important for people as well. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, you know, ultimately what I say is I'm really, I say this all the time. I'm trying to look at the forest, not mm -hmm. so much the trees. Yeah. We have to look at the forest and figure out what's happening. And, you know, later on, if you, if we want to nitpick on trees, sure. But, mm -hmm. but until we understand the forest, <laughs> You know, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Right. What and that's how, that's how I avoid rabbit holes and stuff like that, too. I'm like, I'm looking at everything, yeah. <laughs> everything. I need to know all of it. And, What's you know, the if, yeah. Right. If you look at my uh, website, the UFO Connector is the same way. It's everything. Mm -hmm. Everything will, will be put on there at some point. Everything I hear about um, and anything people need added, mm -hmm. just have to let me know it's going to go there. So... Exactly. In the meantime, before, you know, that, that fateful day when we will talk again, yeah. can you please let people know where they can find you? Oh, well, um, Twitter has been, is really, it's the only social media that I actually use for obvious reasons. It's actually helped me a great deal. And it's for that, for Twitter is the reason I found uh, DJ and yourself and the cab crew and Danny, everybody, Joe Mergia, so many people have been really really helpful and have it's been a really good place to find and connect with people that have had similar experiences um it's really been a very very helpful place for me over the past year or two mm -hmm. so um uh, i'm max just my name max e mccabe uh at max e mccabe and um yeah i'm happy to speak to anyone because again this is about helping other people going through the same uh shock that i have and so if anybody needs to talk to me i'm more than happy to do that it helps me to hear other people's experiences and i just want to make other people feel more at ease um 
and I understand if they don't want to share their personal experiences, of course, that's entirely up to them. But I've decided I've got nothing to lose. I don't I don't care what people think any in anymore. I really don't. And I'm in a unique position because I'm self-employed. Um I'm self-employed. I don't have a job where I'm gonna lose my job by talking about this. So um sod that. I don't care about that. Yeah, we all know that unfortunately I have to be an avatar because of my job. So I'm a little jealous oh, of with that. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's so <laughs> sad. It's so sad. That's why I'm audio podcast, but but yeah, a lot of people ask, well, where's Deb's face? Why don't we see Deb? And like, yeah. no, it's nothing really cool. It's just that I work with clients and I mm. can't talk about things like DMT and then go see yeah. my clients. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah. It's much more interesting having you an enigma. Yeah, like, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pretend that's that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, a little it's a little harder to. That's why the people when I interview them, I don't want to use an avatar because it's really much easier to see a person who's talking. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and close out and say goodbye to everybody. Um, and again, thank you for coming and sharing everything you do so much for the community just you know being there and sharing people for people and listening to people excellent work we much appreciate you oh the same ditto same to you deb same Thanks. to you thank, thank you. you very much indeed great so this is deb from deb's data dojo part of the calling all beings podcast network if you're looking for me i am on twitter linkedin facebook and with the calling all beings youtube show have a good night or good day, everybody, and I'll see you later.